Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Communication. I think that stands above and... So maybe with that, I'll pair it with accessibility. I think those two go hand in hand. There's been a couple of experiences I've had that doesn't feel good when you're short on communication and you don't have that same level of accessibility. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Joe Giuliacci. Joe is joining us from Lake Stevens, Georgia. He is a passive investor with Five Talents Capital, which focuses on multifamily investments and also explores other asset classes. Joe is an LP on 15 multifamily properties, three industrial properties, four self-storage, and 16 commercial real estate properties. He's also retired after a 31-year career as an engineer for Boeing. Joe, thank you for joining us today, and how are you? Hey, great, Osh. Great talking to you. Great sharing some of my experience with the best ever audience here. One correction, it was probably my bad typing, but it's Lake Stevens, Washington. Oh, I'm Lake Stevens, it. Washington. So All right. that's Stand where corrected. I, no problem. But thanks for that intro. 
Yeah, Joe, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, you bet. I'll give you a, a high-level flyby of kind of my spectrum and journey here. So I was always intrigued by real estate and started studying it, reading about it really early on, even maybe embarrassed to say, even bought some CDs way back in my early 20s. Never was really able to put anything into execution mode at that time frame. So really, my wife and I came about our first investment property really by necessity. And we can talk a little bit about what I mean there. But from that, over the course of about the next 10 years, we ended up flipping that little halfplex in Northern California into about four duplex properties. And we did the best thing you can do with real estate. We added time and we just let those operate for us for many years. And they didn't kick off a lot of cash, but they started building equity for us, which was kind of the intention at that point in our journey. It was about four or five years ago that I started studying the syndication model and passive investing and what that looks like. And then about three years ago, decided that, okay, I started getting comfortable and decided to put a toe in the water, so to speak. So ended up making a couple of investments in that area to explore and to learn. I think I did one multifamily and one self-storage right out of the gate. Got those into operation and was pleased with the experience of it all and started getting cash flow out of it according to the original projections. So all that seemed to be going well. Continued to learn and kind of listen, talk to people and did a couple more investments and started just getting a little more comfortable. It was just last year that my wife and I made a significant strategic decision for hard investing. We decided to divest our remaining duplex properties that we held and go all in in this passive investing space. And so just a couple of months ago, we finished the sale of those properties and moved that money now into limited partner arrangements. And those are starting to work for us. So anyway, that's kind of our journey from where it kind of started for me and where we're at today, what we're looking at in the future. So maybe I'll turn it back to you, Ash, and see where you want to dive in. I took a lot of notes, but one, it has to feel good to just be a pure passive investor. You have no more active properties to manage. I tell you, what really kind of broke that final straw was right after the start of the year here in 2022, we got a call about a tenant moving out of one of our duplexes and the property manager we had in place said, yeah, they've been in there for a long time. So it's going to need carpets and linoleum and appliances. And I was just adding up this $5,000 bill. And we said, nope, let's just pull the ripcord and punch out of these. So yeah, it feels great. Joe, the CDs that you bought, were they Carlton sheets? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I bought that too. He was essentially the Robert Kiyosaki of our day. He was a legit real estate guy. And then combine that with a Robert Allen, no money down book was the starts. Awesome. What is a halfplex? <laughs> In California, it's a duplex building, essentially, as we understand it. Most of us understand a duplex, but they were sold with separate titles. 
so my wife just owned one half. It still had the common wall and it had a fenced yard that was separate. But anyway, that's what a halfplex is. So what happens if the roof needs replaced? Do you just pay your half? Yeah. Do you find a roofer to only put on half a roof if the other guy doesn't want to pay? I can't remember exactly how the roof line ran. That's a good question. We never owned it long enough to have to figure that out. (laughs) Good. All right. So how does a passive investor and why does a passive investor start a company? Well, even when we held our private duplexes, we held them in an LLC. And we did it for a couple of reasons. It was really just to, to have some anonymity but also just some asset protection that we wanted to put in place. And so as we moved into the passive space, I similarly created a entity of which to invest through rather than us and our personal name. Got it. And you don't invest for others. You don't take on investors. It's strictly your own capital. It's strictly our own capital. Yeah. Now, I try to talk about this with friends and family, but it's a little bit ominous for others that aren't familiar and comfortable with real estate to begin with to go drop 50K or 100K. So I thought about joining up with some family or friends in an arrangement and creating an LLC entity to structure that, but I haven't done that yet. Well, let's explore that. (laughs) (laughs) So you can set up a fund and do a fund of funds model. So you pool all of your capital and whoever else wants to get in their capital together, and you can choose to invest in other people's deals. And if you go in with more ammunition, you can at times get a better percentage or more of the GP shares. Okay. So that's an area that I'm interested in playing around with a little more and exploring that. So, uh, yeah. If you go through Joe Fairless podcast, maybe type in Joe Fairless Fund of Funds okay. or on his blog. There's a ton of information. I know I've interviewed a number of people that do that. So if you're passionate about it and if you want to help other people that don't have the same knowledge, expertise, and avenues to invest their money, could be a good post-retirement job. I appreciate that <laughs> tip. I'll definitely put that to my list. Okay. So I want to dive into your LP investments. You started out with multifamily and self-storage yeah. and I would assume pretty safe investments, good areas, good operators. What made you go into industrial properties? I guess I'm a creative sort and I kind of even consider myself a little bit entrepreneurial in how I think. So how I've educated myself, let me start there, is I dive into all kinds of podcasts and I learn a lot. So coming across some other sponsors that have been in the industrial space caused me to go and learn a little bit more about that. And what I love about just this whole passive investing model, as we're talking about this question particularly, is I love the diversification. I was all in on duplexes in one geographic location for almost 20 years. And now I get to spread that out across the U.S. I get to explore different asset classes and it's just phenomenal. It's just lit me up. So industrial, really solid. You're buying an income stream because the industrial ones that I'm in are these triple net lease arrangements. I'm sure some of your listeners have heard that 
approach where the sponsor basically buys the property from a operating business and then leases it back on a particular term. And so you're buying just a real solid stream of income. What are the returns on those triple net industrial properties? They're returning about 10% is where I'm at right now. So that's the cash on cash kick right now is 10%. And then they'll still sell with a kick at the back end because they're still operating the business model is that you're still selling it with plenty of lease life left that you're going to provide value on the back end. And what types of commercial properties are you into? I've done one commercial property fund that's in the number of different asset purchases, and they're buying essentially your Walgreens, your CVC, Dollar General. It's those sort of retail outfits that's behind them. And again, they're set up as triple net leases. So you're getting just real good, steady cash flow. What are the returns on that? In that space, starts at eight and moves to 12 over a few years. So fairly respectable in my opinion. Out of all the asset classes that you're in, what's the lowest returns and the highest returns? Okay. So the lowest returns, quite frankly, is the multifamily. A lot of the models with multifamily is they're positioned as value adds when they're purchased. And so I'm sure many of your listeners understand that you purchase the property and you do a renovation package to it. And so in that early stage, they're not kicking off a lot of cash because it's going into the CapEx portion of the value add. And so on some of my multifamilies, I'm only making 4% cash on cash in these early years. And then the best ones that are kicking off are are probably on 10%. And again, it depends on how you think of the metrics because there's so many metrics out there and whether you look at it. I like to look at my cash on cash. I like to think of it as pure, no capital return in that number, no capital events. It's just the pure kickoff of cash. So 4% initial returns, they've got to kill it on the back end and make up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you confident they'll do that? In my short time, as I've explained, I've only been in this passive space here for a handful of three years or so. I have had two already go full cycle on me in just about a year's time, believe it or not. And one of those was a self-storage. One of them was a multifamily. The multifamily, as I looked at the metrics on it, between what it was portrayed and what it finished at, it only yielded 4% in that year's time frame, but it returned over 30% as it closed out. So again, I'll take that all day long relative to stock market or other types of investments. The self-storage, that blew the doors off my experience, I guess you could say. I guess let's just use the IRR metric for comparison. Self-storage was due to put out about 20% on an IRR over about five years. And in one year's time, of course, it kicked out 126%. So Was that with a refi? No, it was a ground up bill, which is another part of the story, but it was a ground up bill 
So really kicked off no cash or absolutely zero cash for the full year. They got the occupancy cert on it and they had a sale on it. They got an offer and it made the numbers and they went through with it and sold it. Yeah, that's a great win. You mentioned being diversified from your duplexes, but these are all real estate assets. Are you also in other types of investments besides real estate? Yes, I am. Most of my holdings right now, there's the underpinning real estate that does exist. And then there's a multitude of different businesses that I'll say sit on top. And whether that's just a multifamily type of business or it's a self-storage, the industrial is a different type. I have a handful now of car wash investments that I've done just recently, and I'm super excited and bullish about that model. So I'm encouraged to see where that goes. So again, it's underpinned. There's real estate there, but there's another business that sits on top. And then I have explored a couple of what I call in the venture capital space. There's one energy related one has to do with energy services. That's completely different from all the others. And then there's another one that more around business services, I'll call it that doesn't have any real estate to it at all. So I have dabbled outside of the real estate space a little bit. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Joe, how do you qualify these sponsors? That's a great question. So that's the number one rule for me, quite frankly, is finding the good operator. I've kept my lane pretty narrow, actually. And the first part for me, since I came into the space really cold, I didn't have any mentors or anything, but it was listening to podcasts. And these hosts of podcasts are typically, many of them are doing it because they're also sponsoring deals. And so that is one of their outreach mechanisms. 
so believe it or not, for me, I have a pretty good ability to pick up a personality from just listening to people. And what's been actually even more powerful for me is to listen then to that podcast host and interview experience and get another characterization of that person. And then it's having some one-on-one meets with these sponsors and continuing to build a relationship. So that's kind of some of the pathway for me is to, again, build that personal relationship that I believe I can trust. And the first couple, I knew there was some element of risk in that because you don't know what you don't know. And and we've all had experiences where we thought we knew somebody and they turned out to be somebody different. And so I've been blessed. I'll just say that I've had some really great experiences in that process. Yeah, it's funny. In 2015, I invested in my first syndication. And at the time, I think it was like a 22% annualized cash on cash return. And I committed a large amount of money to it because I just had a sale of a property And I went home and I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds too good to be true. And I thought if I get burned, lesson learned, but man, if this is a real thing, what a great avenue to grow money. So I get that. What are some of the discerning questions you ask sponsors when you have these one-on-ones with them? Great question too. Handful of things that I kind of stick to is one, I like to understand their experience. I want to make sure that this isn't just rodeo number two for them or three. Have they actually gone full cycle with some deals? That's been really important for me. I got to admit, though, it has been tough to find some of these operators that have gone through multiple market cycles. So that's where maybe I do have a little bit of risk play with some of the sponsors I've hooked up with, just given how many market cycles they've experienced. I like to understand their track record. I like to ask for some examples of some past offerings. What did the investor deck say and what did it do in the end or what's it actively doing today? So I like to see that so I can understand better what they portray and what they deliver. I like to ask for an example of a past failure. Now, I'm really careful how I ask this question. I don't ask, have they had a failure? I just assume they better have a failure they can talk about. And when I say failure, it could be just a problem with operating an asset, but I just want to hear how they work through that. What's their thinking and how did it end up? And of course, it, it doesn't always have to end up good. It could end up not so good and they learned and they took away something from that experience. I think we all have those kind of things. I like to understand the communication approach through the investment and what's their accessibility when I have questions. Last thing maybe I'll point out is I'm a spreadsheet nerd. So I like to understand the underwriting and have some transparency in how they underwrite their assumptions. So I asked to dig in a little bit there. Joe, when you ask people for their failures, what if you get that typical interview answer? What's your weakness? And it's always, well, I'm a type A personality. I'm a go-getter. The typical nonsense that you do in an HR interview. Do you ever get answers like that when you ask for failures? Fortunately, I haven't. 
Because if I did, I probably would really have to question whether I could go through with this particular sponsor. I agree. On your deals, have you had any that go bad? Or have you had deals where bad news was communicated from the sponsor? I can't say I've had any go terribly bad. Again, maybe that's still in my future here since I'm still kind of young in this passive investing space. I gave two examples of two investments that went full cycle really quick. One of them, it was an obvious result. It was, okay, yeah, I'd love to do that again. The multifamily one, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I would have been happy if that one played a little longer life and returned a little more of the equity multiple end of things than where it ended up. So maybe this multifamily one was one where it wasn't the most accepting news at the time, but I did have the follow-on conversation with the operator to try to understand what was the play there. And I think what the takeaway for me was, is they were open to have the conversation and explain the business dynamics of the property at the time. So I was happy with that response. You must receive a lot of different sponsor communications. What is your favorite way to receive those, both in format, frequency, and content? Right now, I think all of them are coming via an email release. They all come on a monthly cycle. And I think the ones I'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the property and what they're doing in their business execution on that property and how it's performing. That might be we're at 99% occupancy or we're at 76% occupancy or something that talks about those business stats. So I enjoy reading through those summaries on a monthly basis. You said you're a spreadsheet nerd. Do they include financials? Most of them don't. The ones that have are the self-storage ones that actually give me spreadsheets. (laughs) Do you prefer to receive financials or just a high level occupancy number? I think the high level. Where I like to dig in on the spreadsheet side is going into the investment and kind of reproven out what they're portraying. Can I build that in my little spreadsheet model and get those kind of numbers to work? That's where I like to play in the spreadsheet. Yeah, Joe, one of the things you said you look for is a sponsor who's been through at least one market cycle, meaning somebody who started 2007 or prior and is still alive today. Have you found any of those? Because syndications (laughs) really sprouted in the middle of the last decade. Right. I think there's just been one sponsor in the multifamily space that has those kind of career legs, if you will. But no, I haven't found it with many of the ones that I am currently invested in. Joe, normally passive investors are either in it for cash flow or to grow their overall returns. You seem like a hybrid where some of your deals Mm -hmm. return steady cash, others you're willing to forego short-term cash for long-term gains. What is your philosophy on that? Do you pivot one way or another? Do you have a preference Um, rather? 
I don't. I like to be open to a mix. And as we talked at the beginning, my wife and I are entering into this retirement space. So using this cash flow is still valuable to us. So I, I like to keep a certain play in that space. And then I'm okay with a certain fraction of our investments being patient. And going back to my spreadsheet antics, I kind of model all this stuff out and see what kind of cash flow returns that we've got in our future that we can live on and where we can maybe be patient and maybe try to seek a little better return with that patience model. Joe, some of the deals that you've done very well on, is it tempting to just go all in on their next deal or do you discipline yourself to diversify? So far, I've discipline myself to diversify. I would imagine that's a challenge. It's an internal struggle at times because if you find one operator that does great at everything, and that's what I did. I essentially went all in with Joe for all of my passive deals over the last seven years. Haven't really looked at others a whole lot. Maybe that's just me being lazy. Again, I try to play around with my mirror of spreadsheets and look at what kind of percentages I've got in how many different operators. And I like to look at all that and just try to understand it and see how that feels on me. Because there are a couple of operators that I've got significant chunks in and then some more on the fringe activity. So like I said, overall, I've kept fairly narrow with my number of sponsors, but yeah, certainly have used more than one in my yeah. experience. Joe, a question that I normally ask everybody is what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Today, I'm going to ask you, what is your best advice to sponsors of deals? That's a great question. I would say the best advice is communication. I think that stands above and So maybe with that, I'll pair it with accessibility. I think those two go hand in hand. There's been a couple of experiences I've had that doesn't feel good when you're short on communication and you don't have that same level of accessibility. Great advice. Joe, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, Joe, what's the best ever book you recently read? One great book I'll leave with your audience is Gap and the Game. Many have probably heard of Who Not How by the duo Dan Sullivan and Dr. Ben Hardy. They came out after that book with Gap in the Game. Great book. So that's one. Maybe just as a bonus, I just got done reading Why We Sleep. It's a book by Matthew Walker. If most of us in kind of this world like to have good performance and understanding how we sleep and what that does for us, it might seem obvious, but it was a great read also. There's a bonus one for you. Joe, what's the best ever way you like to give back? What's been the guiding light for me, for my family, has been through our local church and giving back in that means both financially and with time. So that's where it's at right now. As we continue our retirement world, we're going to look for more ways to do that and also use more of these dividends that we're getting from our cash flow in that give back. That's our objectives. Joe, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Best way to find me is on LinkedIn. I don't have 
really any other social tags that I use. So LinkedIn is where folks can find me and happy to hook up with people that are learning in this same space that I've talked about and happy to share my experiences and perhaps be a mentor for somebody else that's looking to get started. Joe, thank you for joining us today and giving up your time teaching us what it's like to be a full-time LP investor and some important lessons for sponsors. So thank you again for your time. Had a lot of fun, Osh. Thank you very much. Awesome. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review, share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.